Welcome to African Catholic Voices, a podcast service of the Pan-African Catholic Theology and Pastoral Network. My name is Father Stan Chu Ilo, and my co-host is... Sister Jane Kimathi. Today, we want to focus on preparation for Lent. As we begin this journey, we want to reflect on how we can make this Lenten journey a fruitful and faithful journey with Jesus, how we can travel into a deeper encounter with the Lord and with one another, especially those who are poor, those who suffer, those who are grieving, and those who are weak. And that person is is me, is you. We all suffer because we are humans. We live in a world that is limited. And each and every one of us, we carry, like St. Paul says, we carry in our bodies this cross of the Lord in order to make up what is lacking in the church. So Lent is a special time. I want to give some time, some reflection to it. But before we do that, our hearts go out to Kenyans, Africans, and people all over the world who know the great Kelvin Kiptum, the Kenyan marathoner who I live in Chicago. So here they are mourning him because he broke the world record of in marathon here in Chicago and he died in a car crash. We also remember one of the finest men in um, the banking sector in Nigeria, a man who at 58 established the largest bank in Nigeria and in Africa, people say, Access Bank, Mr. Habat Mwiwe, who died in a helicopter crash in California, here in the United States. And as a Nigerian, I grieve with my fellow Nigerians because uh, we lost the African Cup of Nations final to Cote d'Ivoire, but we rejoice with our West African neighbors who won this cup for the third time, just like Nigeria had won the cup for three times. So, but it was a celebration of African unity, the beauty of our fraternity and the talents of our people. It is wonderful that we come together this way to play we win together, we lose together. And when any of us dies, like in the case of this great athlete, Kevin Kiptum, or this great banker, this great humanitarian, how about we, we, we are reminded of our human finality, our human vulnerability, and our human weaknesses. We do not know what the future holds for any of us, but we know who holds the future. And we do not choose how we die, where we die, the circumstances of our death, but we do choose how to live. And Lent offers us that opportunity to look at how we are living, the choices we are making, the values we are living by. What will you be remembered for? What are you doing for God, for the church, for humanity? Why are you not living your best life now? So I give the word to you, sister. Jane, as you take us through this uh, journey that we are about to begin on Ash Wednesday. Thank you very much, uh, Father Stan. Me too, I mourn with 
our young man, Kevin Keptoon. And uh, as we talk about Lent, Lent is a time of simplicity. This young man was very simple. Actually, his time when he was in Chicago Marathon, he had to borrow shoes from his colleagues so that he could be able to run. He comes from a very simple family, and he's a guy that the Kenyan young people were looking up to, and even the country, actually even the president had to send condolences, and Maku, he'll be buried like a hero, a hero at 24 years, a sport hero, very sportive young man. So we look at his simplicity, the same simplicity that the Lent is calling us. And I'm sure it's the same simplicity the Nigerian football team went with because their neighbors went with the cup. And I'm sure they gave in, they said the cup is in West Africa. It doesn't matter which country, but it went to West Africa. That's how I'm consoling myself here. I'm telling people, don't worry, the cup went to West Africa, not South Africa, not East Africa. So we mourn with them, but not mourning, we rejoice together with them. Actually, when you talk about Lent, Father Stan, for me, I believe that Lent is a time of simplicity because it's a time that's calling each one of us to enter into this journey of being simple. When we talk about not eating particular food, particular don't eat meat, eat this, pray more, it calls us, how am I going to plan my desert journey? And understanding this, when I was reading the Kenyan Bishop's Lenten book, which they launched the other day, two days ago during the weekend, there were some values or virtues that you mentioned about values. And there was these key values or virtues they said like honesty, respect, and trust. These are calling us as priests, as religious people, as people of God, how am I going to be accountable? to these values or to these virtues, and especially the key, the virtue of integrity. But Stan, I don't know how you'd understand when the bishops are bringing this key element of the virtues, accountability, honesty, respect and trust and fairness. How can we relate this with this journey that you say is a journey of dying to self? How do I prepare myself to this journey of dying to self? Yeah, thank you. I do not have uh, the answers uh, because when it comes to the spiritual journey, the Lord invites us to enter deeper into the mysteries of divine love with a deep sense of humility. I believe that the beginning of the spiritual life is an understanding of who God is and who I am because of who God is. These are two fundamental questions. Who is God and who am I? Without God, I am nothing. And with God, I become in the light, in the economy of grace. I become a child of God. It's a life with God, life for Christ, life in Christ, and the life of Christ. So in Christo, we are immersed in Christ. So I think integrity like the bishops of Kenya, they call us to this. I think they call us to recognizing each and every one of us. Who are you? And the very moment you are able, not simply at the intellectual level, I mean, we can define humanity, you know, philosophically, theologically. You have to experience it deep within your soul. I am loved by God. I am here because the master wants me to be here. I am not here by accident. You know, my life is special, is unique, 
but I am totally configured with the Lord Jesus Christ, who has, through his blood, immersed me in this blood, in this water. So I am a child of God. I belong to a royal priesthood, a kingly nation. I am someone anointed, anointed. So I'm not ordinary. Therefore, my behavior has to square up with who I am. Like St. Francis of Assisi said, who I am is who I am indeed, nothing more, nothing less. So really, humility means, therefore, accepting reality. But sometimes then, out of a sense of pride, our sinfulness, we don't accept the reality of who we are. We want to become somebody else. Or through our actions, we reflect something that does not point back to the Lord who made us in his image and likeness. I think that that's, for me, a very fundamental quest and is a vocation, but it's also a promise that God gives us this possibility that we can, in the depths of our hearts, in the very depths of our being, we can grasp this sense of divine presence in us and feel the grace, the empowering grace that moves us, the love of Christ, urges us on into the fullness of life in Christ. Well, thank you, Father. When you introduced, you said that uh, you posed this question. When we start this journey, Lenten journey, we, it's a question that you're asking ourselves. How am I going to live this journey faithfully, prayerfully, and also fruitfully, and also looking at it charitably? How am I going to reach out to those people that are at, at, at on the periphery, those that need me during this journey? And I'm looking at it again when you say that it's a, a journey that is a commitment that how am I faithful to my calling? Like that priestlyhood, you are a person chosen by God. How am I going to be faithful to this journey? Actually, there are times that most of us start this Lenten journey and we say, I'm not going to eat meat. I'm go not going to drink a beer. And when it comes to party, you forget. And that's to say, I'm not saying that you have fallen apart because of your commitment. I'm sure we always said to ourselves, I'll go for confession. And this reminds me, I was a godmother to one of the child. And the mother was a Catholic. The father was not a Catholic. And it was the celebration was on a good Friday. And I always remember it because I went and they had roasted these nyamachomas, the Kenyan would call it. And that time I never used to look at my weight. And I'm looking at it and they are saying the Catholics can eat uh, fish, but the, the other people can eat this nyamachoma. Of course, I ate fish because I was so embarrassed, a nun with a veil going to eat this meat. But I told them, can you put for me the meat somewhere I'll eat later? So I meant that I still ate the meat because I carried. And I was very faithful in the beginning of the journey. But sometimes we fall. When I'm looking at the Christians that are struggling to journey these 40 days, how do we look at it, those that in quotes as priests or nuns, we think we are faithful to our 40 days. And some stay, sometimes they fall. Remember the poverty is there. You come to a party, you can never afford meat. And that day they have offered meat. How would you tell this Christian that is so confused as a priest? How do you advise me? I know this would be part of that. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, Sister Jane, the, again, the spiritual life is a journey. It starts with recognizing who you are. 
Now, this is very important and it's, it's very Augustinian because for St. Augustine, there are two roots of sin is the pride of self and selfishness. Those are the two roots of sin. Is So Jesus conquered these two, uh, selfishness, Jesus conquered it on the cross when he said it's finished. He gave, he gave his life. Then pride of self, Jesus conquered it by his incarnation when, like, St. Paul said in the letter to the Philippians, he emptied himself, kenosis. So though he was God, did not hold on to it. It is in this regard to your question about what are you holding on to? Because it is in that sense that your humanity is always the obstacle. Augustine says everything human is imperfect. The human is the one that is prideful. The one that is filled with ego, which someone says is edging God out, E-G-O, is filled with consumption, is filled with acquisition. So these attachments and these uh, encumbrances, if you like, constitute a huge obstacle. So it doesn't matter whether you're a priest or you are a bishop or you are a Catholic woman or a Catholic man or a child. All of us must acknowledge that we are humans. And once you acknowledge that you're human, you're not God, then you see the infinite distance between your human temporality, your human weaknesses, your human libido, this um, desire to acquire, to be. Then you are occupying spaces. But then when you let the human, you release the human, then the power of God then makes you whole and then begins to actually give you, fill you with something that is no longer human, that frees you from fear and from all the other obstacles to divine operation in your life. And we shall come to a few other aspects of this, but we need to take a break now. Brothers and sisters, you're listening to African Catholic Voices, a podcast service of the Pan-African Catholic Theology and Pastoral Network. And today we are reflecting on Lent and how we can live this um, Lenten season with so much joy and fruitfulness. And Pope Francis gave us a message through the desert, titled Through the Desert, God Leads Us to Freedom. And he based his reflection on Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 to 8, the encounter of Moses with God at the burning bush. And the emphasis is on freedom here. But I don't know, Sister Jane, this aspect of through the desert that you mentioned at the beginning, is that a good image that will resonate with uh, people in Africa, the desert? What are the kinds of journey through the desert that, uh, or images that can help capture this journey for us? Yeah, when you talk to Africans about the desert, they have their own physical deserts. It's telling an African to go to this place that there's no food and there's no water. It's where you are suffering. 
And when we resonate with it, with the 40 days of the desert, is a time, as I began with, of humility, a time to struggle, actually a positive struggle. And you mentioned it that it's a spiritual journey, a spiritual journey that you'll feel the pinch of journey with Christ. That's why we are being told to go to this desert. And when you said a few minutes ago about our temptation or falling, when you look at we are resonating with Jesus, his struggle, actually you said about humanity. The desert brings us to that really humanity that there is pain and also there is joy. Sometimes within the desert, there's a promise of an oasis somewhere. You might find some water somewhere. That's what it is this journey 40 days. Beside the struggle, beside the whatever we are going through during these 40 days, there is light at the end of the tunnel. The -hmm. desert can be dry, but at the end of it is where that we are presumed rain will come and give us that joy. So when you tell an African about the desert, you have really to elaborate that it's a desert that does not bring you into dryness. It's a desert that you are journeying with a hope there's something. Most of the people that walk within the desert, they know at the end of the desert, there's an end, something they'll find joy or maybe they find analysis. So within these 40 days, and we sit very well with Christ, he journeyed the 40 days. There was a lot of temptations, or maybe, for example, temptation of giving in, which when you journey in this journey, you might feel what I said, giving in, temptation to the meat, yamachoma. But still, you keep on journeying, saying, at least there is hope. And that also brings me to our bishops, Kenyan bishop. They were saying they have put it in the Lenten campaign book. The spirit of synodality is also walking together journeying together. In this desert, we are walking together with Jesus and walking together with Jesus, reflecting within this journey, our life, our mission, our call to witness him within this pain of this desert. And actually, Mm -hmm. African people are journeying within a very hot desert with the reality of climate change, the reality of poverty, and the reality within what they're encountering as human people. Yeah, it's so true, you know, Sister Jane. Um, when we use this image of the desert, the desert is a lonely place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a place full of fear. You feel your vulnerability in a desert. You could be attacked by marauders. You could be attacked by wild animals. So it is a place of danger, a place of fear. But it's it's also in this desert for for Moses that he encounters God. You know, many years ago when I was in the Holy Land and I was talking with uh, one of our instructors, Rabbi Yohav, who told me really that the tradition of the burning bush developed during the exile. When the people were in exile, you remember by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat and wept. So they were held in captivity in this foreign land. And they say, how can we sing the song of Zion on alien soil? And then God began to bring to their memory their ancestor, the great Moses, who also was fleeing, who was in a, on a foreign land. But God met him there. So where you stand is holy ground. Because where you stand is where God, God can meet you anywhere. And it's sometimes in your human fragility, if you're longing for God, that God meets you. 
So it's very important, this image of the desert, for us to understand where do we feel this dryness in our lives? Like you pointed at climate change. Where do we feel this rough ground, these rough grounds in our continent where people are famished because they have no water, they have no vegetation, they have no food, where people are fleeing because they live in IDPs. IDPs are usually now, and a lot of them are built on dry land, like um, Kakuma, the, the one in, mm-hmm. you know, is the middle of nowhere, you know? So we find ourselves actually not only metaphorically, but also physically living this dryness. I mean, people think of the encroachment of the Sahara Desert. Many of the people who are living in the African Sahel, you feel the dryness of lands that were once lush with green and vegetation, now dry. Lake Chad, for instance, the Lake Chad Basin, we can think of many of our lakes that are drying up. So also our lives, our lives. So land becomes a time for us to encounter God in the desert of our lives and to meet God in the burning bush for like... The patriarch of uh, the East once says that the whole earth is God's burning bush. And we all are like priests worshiping at this altar. And what makes it impossible for us to worship God is when we allow the desert in our lives to remain dry. But Lent offers us the opportunity to open ourselves up so that God will water our hearts, water our lives water our land, and then we can become fruitful. So we can, the vegetation will emerge again, the springtime of Easter, new life, new energy, new fountains of grace, and the beauty of realizing that we are not alone here. God is with us. I think that I invite everyone, all our listeners, to, I always say, give yourself permission to be wrong. You know, sometimes we live in a lot of guilt. You feel that your past is such a dry desert. You know, do you want to remain in that desert? Or you want to, like you say, Sister Jane, you want to see the oasis, the water, the fire that is burning. So give yourself permission to say, I can be wrong because I'm human, you know, mm-hmm. but you change the way you look at reality. Because you are not alone. God is with you. I think those are the things I would say, you know, for our listeners in my own way to say, like, um, open your eyes and see reality. (laughs) You know, open your eyes Mm -hmm. and do not narrow your vision to just this particular sin, this particular person that did me so terrible. Change your mind about people. Change your mind. Do not live in the past. Let go. I don't know your final uh, spiritual message to our listeners, and then you can conclude with a prayer for Lent for all of us, Sister Jen. Yeah, thank you, Father Stan. When you're saying that uh, to look at ourselves, not to focus on just one whatever sin we have sinned. Last Sunday when I went for Mass, the priest is a Nigerian priest, called us all as Christian. Make this year Lenten time or Easter time special by taking opportunity to go for confession. And I was listening and people were nodding, people were nodding. And I said, 
God, at least this is entering and sinking to people. For me, I'll just ask our Christians, what plans have I, have you for this Lenten time? What plan within your prayer, which is very special prayer that you are going to bring this particular Lent? Because remember, every year comes with its own yearly message within a person. The Pope has given us, the bishops are giving. What is my message for myself? What is the message or the baggage or the luggage I'm going to carry within this desert that I'm entering to? And what type of a desert do I want to enter during this time of Lent, 2024? It's not the same as 2023. Let us look at it in solidarity with the people that are suffering, with the people that have lost hope. Let us journey with them. And especially there are a lot of deaths, there are a lot of miseries within African context and within the world and their war. And for me, that's what I would call our Christians and ourselves. And let us pray and we present our journey, Lenten journey, knowing it's a time to reflect about ourselves, our relationships with one another, and our relationships with God. And within that is a call to wake up for forgiveness and to let go through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, Son and, Holy and Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Sister Jane, and thank you, brothers and sisters, for being a part of this episode where we reflected on how to live through this journey of Lent with Jesus faithfully and fruitfully until we arise with the Lord at Easter. We wish you a very pleasant journey, a safe journey with the Lord. We know the one who travels with us. He's faithful and true, and he will come true for us as we trust in the Lord. And as you do this, may the hand of the Lord be upon you. And let us keep each other in our prayers. Let's pray that God may renew our lives, renew our church, renew our world, and give peace to our troubled world so that this earth with all its ambiguities and complexities will conform to the will of our maker who made the world in goodness and for goodness. Be good and God bless you. Bye.